Hey, glad you could join us today on RK Ministries podcast, where each week we engage culture with biblical truth by sharing a message of truth and hope from a biblical perspective. Like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter, and hope that you enjoy today as you join us on this episode of RK Ministries podcast. Well, greetings and salutations once again from the great state of Alabama. Hope everybody had a great weekend this weekend and happy had an opportunity to go and worship the Lord today at a church near you. And if not, then you need to find one near you so you can get involved and get to get to go and, and worship the Lord and participate in what it is the Lord's doing in your area through his kingdom's work. And if you are in the Tallahassee, Wetumpka, even our eclectic, even Wetumpka area, uh, you can come join us over at uh, Friendship Baptist Church, Tallahassee. We'd love to have you come over there. Uh, you can find us at, uh, if you'll Google Friendship Baptist Tallahassee or Friendship Church, Tallahassee, you'll find us. Uh, go to our website and take a look and see what we're all about. We are a family integrated church and uh, we believe that it is the nuclear family that is God's ultimate design from creation and we want to help parents learn how to take the spiritual lead in their home and to disciple their children and take the role that God has given them uh, seriously and be uh, intentional in doing what God has called us to do as parents in that role. And so today we're going to continue our study <clears throat> through Ecclesiastes. We'll be looking at chapter 10 uh, today. As always, we are putting this up on YouTube, some Facebook, uh, and you can find it on RK Ministries podcast. If you'll go to wherever you get your podcast, you can find it there. Uh, like, subscribe, share, give good reviews and comments. And the same thing on, on uh, either Facebook or YouTube. On Facebook, share it with all your friends. Share it with those you think need to hear the content. And on YouTube, go find it. Subscribe to it. Hit the little bell button so you'll know when new content comes up. And then give us a good review. Uh, and also share it, again, with your on your social media. Share share that. Share the podcast on your social media. That's the way that we increase the, the audience. And so hopefully you will, you'll be willing to do that. If this content is beneficial to you, and don't forget, uh, obviously, everybody's getting ready and gearing up for the Christmas holiday, which is coming up, uh, not this coming Monday, but Monday week. And uh, so at Friendship Baptist Church on Sunday, uh, this on, on Christmas Eve, we will have our normal services, Sunday school, 930, worship at um, 1030. But then that afternoon on Christmas Eve at five o'clock, we're going to have a come and go communion where you come and you bring your family, you partake in communion, and then you and your family go about your normal Christmas Eve activity. So if you want to take part in that, it'll begin about five o'clock on a Sunday evening at Friendship Baptist Church. Well, with all that said, let's get into Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And Ecclesiastes chapter 10, again, Solomon's still on this journey, this experiment, if you will, to dealing with trying to find meaning in life and helping us at least think about, contemplate the question of how we find real, true value and meaning in life. Uh, and the way he's gone about this is he's looked at life under the sun. And again, that phrase under the sun having to do 
with merely a, a temporal earthly existence. He's in that sense, he's, he's, he's acting as if there is no uh, eternity and God is not in the equation. And so if we look at things from merely the perspective of under the sun, then we will come to the conclusion that there is no value and no meaning to life if we're merely uh, looking at life from this temporal earthly existence as the only thing that we have to look forward to. And so, but Solomon's already given us a hint that he doesn't ultimately believe that and he's driving us to a conclusion and we'll see that conclusion. We're only two chapters away from the conclusion. We'll see that in chapter 12. He's already given us a hint that, hey, there is a God, uh, there is eternal life, there is uh, more to uh, our existence in this temporal world, and it's in that more that we find ultimate true value and meaning. It's in, it's in the fact that God has created everything that is around us, and he's created us, and he's given us life and breath, and it's in Christ or in God that we live and breathe and move and have our being, and so that is how we ultimately find true meaning and value in the life that we have. And so that's the conclusion he's driving us to. But chapter 10 is almost uh, like Proverbs. It's a very proverbial type chapter where he has these pithy sayings or thoughts. Um, you know, some of them go over a couple verses, but they're still pithy proverbial type sayings that we'll look at as we go through Ecclesiastes um, chapter 10. And so as we get ready to get started, just think about, and if I remember, I'll remind you at the end of this, like I said, we're only two chapters away from being at the, at the end of Ecclesiastes. And maybe there's another book that you would like to study on Sunday night. Uh, if there is, uh, then shoot me a message on Facebook Messenger or drop it in the comments on Facebook. Uh, if you have my email or my text, you can text me or email me uh, something that you would, a book of the Bible that you would like to uh, for us to talk about. And, you know, I'm not opposed old or new Testament. Maybe since we've just done an old Testament book, we might jump back over to the new Testament, but just give me your thoughts on where, what direction you'd like to go on Sunday nights with this. And then we're only one, we're only one segment away from being, we're, we're, I'll get it out in a minute. We're on. We'll be on the last segment, Lord willing, on Thursday from Doctor Vody Bachum's book, Family Driven Faith. Um, and so on Theology Thursdays, as I have opportunity, maybe there are questions or thoughts uh, that you would like to um, entertain. I know we've raised a bunch of questions that would be uh, valid questions to think about uh, as it relate, even from Ecclesiastes, as it relates to death and hell and. Uh, what happens after we die, any, any of those kinds of things, or if there are other apologetic or theolo theological topics that you would like to uh, tackle or like to have insight on, if you would just, uh, again, drop me a, 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 a message in the comments or email or text me or send me a Facebook message, uh, and we will, uh, we'll, we'll decide which direction we want to go on Thursdays as well. So let's get into uh, chapter 10. So it starts off in verse 1. It says dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. You know, we we would say it in our vernacular today. You know, one one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. You know, we see kind of kind of that kind of genre. We have uh, rottenness and stench comes from just one little individual teeny fly in a vat full or bottle full of. Uh, perfumer's ointment. So it doesn't take a whole lot to call a, t a whole lot of 
of rot to cause a whole lot of stench. And so he compares that with the idea of the folly. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So it only takes a little bit of folly to undo uh, a whole lot of wisdom and honor. And so again, Solomon speaking to our uh, willingness to think about the things that we say, to educate ourselves, to find ultimate and true wisdom and to live in light of wisdom. He's told us already before that even if you look at life merely under the sun kind of perspective, that wisdom is still more valuable than folly. And you and I, all we, all we have to do is look out into our world and we'll see a, a truckload of folly uh, in this world. And that truckload of folly has done great uh, havoc, uh, wreaked great havoc in this world. And maybe in, in your life, in my life, we, we all do foolish things at times and say foolish things at times. And it's just a little bit of folly that will outweigh a whole lot of wisdom and honor. So we ought to, you know, as James tells us, we, we, ought, to, we ought to listen, uh, be quick to hear and slow to speak sometimes. Think about what we're going to say. And ask God, just like Solomon, when Solomon became king, he asked God for wisdom to be able to uh, be able to rule and lead the children of Israel, the people of Israel. And maybe we can seek that wisdom from God because true and ultimate wisdom always comes from God, comes from above, uh, not from uh, the world. So that's the first provoke, proverbial type statement. And then he um he goes into verse two, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a foolish heart to the left. And again, you know, the first thing that comes to our minds in our, in our Western political, at least American political uh, situation is, is right wing, left wing kind of thing. And I, I don't think we're far off the mark if we think that way in light of this verse, just because of the historical context in which it was written and it's still true today to some degree because um, because in biblical terms uh, the right is the right side the right hand we always hear those terms as it relates to God God with his righteous right hand or with his mighty right hand so the right hand is the hand of strength and power and might and and truth and in in the opposite of that is the left hand in speaking in biblical terms in that way uh, the left hand would be, you know, weakness and, and unrighteousness as, a, as uh, an analogy in, in opposition to the right. So it is, you know, I don't think it's ironic, <laughs> you know, well, you know, we don't want to press the political issue too much because right now in, in our uh, cultural, uh, you know, uh, the things going on in our world, uh, the right and the left, uh, there's not a, there, there's not a, a uh, a smidge worth of difference between the two sometimes when it comes to the political leaders that we have in our country. So you don't want to press too hard on that from our political situation in, in America because it's almost one uniparty uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, right now. So, uh, but thinking of it in a biblical term, there is a, there is a correct way 
and there is an incorrect way to think and live and do. And that's kind of what Solomon is pointing to in this passage. It is the wisdom that comes from God that directs the heart of humanity that will lead him to the right, to the way of power and righteousness and truth. And it is foolishness and folly. You can almost say the wisdom of this world that would lead a man's heart to the left, which is wickedness and unrighteousness and and untruth, uh, if you will. So there is a necessity for us to seek again the wisdom of God so that we can live and walk in in light of the wisdom that God has given us in his word and the truth of his word, the revelation he's given us, uh, even in his son, Jesus Christ, as we walk and live in light of the truth that Christ has demonstrated for us in the way he walked and lived on planet earth. And even more than that, the wisdom that that comes to us, as Paul says, Christ has become for us Uh, righteousness and wisdom. So it is in God that we find this ability, this power to, uh, this wisdom to be able to walk and live in light of his righteousness. And so verse three, it says, even when the fool walks on the road, uh, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. And I mean, all of us know somebody who fits this description, right? All of us know someone who demonstrates uh, quite plainly that they are foolish in their character, they're foolish in their in their understanding, they're foolish in their actions, and they they demonstrate that foolishness by the way they live uh, their lives, and they whether wittingly or unwittingly are proud in their in their foolishness, and so. Um, it doesn't take us, it doesn't take long for us to see the foolishness of a person's actions in this world. So we are to guard against that in our own life. And really the only way to guard against this is for us to come under, uh, the wisdom of God to, you know, it's what Solomon says in Proverbs, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Right. And so we need to have a right understanding of who God is a right reverent awe of God. And it's in that relationship we have with God that true and lasting wisdom will come. And wisdom, godly wisdom is the antidote to to worldly folly. And so he goes on in verse four to give us another proverbial type statement. He says in in verse four and four through six, really, I think they all uh, kind of fall in the same topic. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, now we've heard a lot uh, in the Bible about rulers and our our uh, posture toward them. Uh, in, in America, you know, our, our the automatic the automatic uh, I think default mode of our way of thinking is that uh, you know you're you're not going to tell me what to do. It's fi- it's by the people for the people of the people. And rightly so, our government is designed such that we elect um, we, we elect representatives to go and speak on our behalf in Washington or in the state house or in our local county commissions or city governments. So we elect representatives to speak for us. And in, in that way, we it is the government by the people, for the people, and of the people. But those rulers are in office, and in, as they are in office, they make rules and laws and decisions that impact us. But the Bible also speaks to us as Americans, right? Even as Americans, um, that God has placed rulers in the place that they are. He, ador- he ordains 
rulers to rule in the places that they rule and there's not a ruler in place that has not been uh, not been put there by the sovereign hand of God and sometimes it's a foolish ruler who rules in an unjust way and at times that's God's punishment on a people by allowing them to have the rulers that they deserve and maybe that's God's punishment and judgment on America right now for letting us have the rulers that we uh, deserve as a people, as a country, uh, in essence, that has turned away from its uh, Judeo-Christian roots. But if the ruler is against you, here's what he says. Do not leave your place. In other words, don't, don't abandon your post. Stay calm is the next phrase for calmness will lay great offense to rest, offenses to rest. So even the offenses that the king or the ruler or the governor or the president or whoever may bring upon you, your calmness, calmness and your faithfulness to your post will put to rest great offenses that come upon you. Now I get it. There are, there are times to stand and stand firmly against those rulers who are unjust, ungodly, unrighteous. And we see plenty of evidence of that in scripture. We see it in the book of Daniel with Daniel and his friends as they stood up against uh, the government and the rulers as they uh, ruled in such ways that would cause them to violate uh, God's law and, and practice idolatry or cease to pray to him. And they stood up in the face of those unjust, unrighteous uh, rules. And now you got to understand each one of them faced consequences because the, the three Hebrew uh, young men who wouldn't bow to the golden uh, idol. Uh, well, what happened? They got, they got thrown into the fiery furnace. Now God saved them from the fiery furnace. And I think he sent the second person of the Trinity, uh, Jesus, uh, as we would understand him. They sent, sent the second person of the Trinity to walk among them in the fiery furnace and they prevailed. And Daniel, whenever he stood his ground on prayer, uh, he did it in a respectful way. He was calm, respectful, but he still stood his ground to pray. But what happened? It cost him uh, a night in the lion's den. And it is God who saved him again from the lion's den. But God doesn't always save us from the peril that comes from the uh, angst of the king or the angst of the ruler against us. If we stand, we must be willing to suffer whatever consequences they are. there are. And the three Hebrew young men, the consequence was death. And they said to the king, we don't have to answer you on this matter, O king. Uh, we're, we're not going to bow. And if God saves us, then praise be to God. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but if he don't, we're still not going to bow to you. Uh, and so we got to have that same kind of attitude. Uh, but in difficult places, uh, there's no need to be uh, unfaithful to your post. Be faithful to your post for the calmness, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Verse five, there is an evil that I have seen under the sun as it were. And again, that phrase under the sun is talking about this temporal existence we have merely uh, our life on planet earth in, in, in that there is no afterlife. There is nothing more than what we have, what this, this existence we have here in the day, uh, day to day, mon, mon, mundane life on this planet. That, that's what Solomon means by under the sun. 
And so he says, there is this evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. So again, this is an evil that is from this uh, foolish, fallen uh, ruler. He says in verse six, folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in low places. And so what he's saying is that those, and it's almost, he doesn't use wisdom in this sense here, but it seems as though that the ruler intentionally, maybe, uh, instills in places of leadership those people who do not have um, the wisdom to lead in those places, do not have the qualifications to lead in those places. And, he's, and the contrast is those who ought to be in places of leadership seem not to be in places of leadership. And again, all we have to do is look out into our world. If we look out into uh, the leadership of our current uh, political situation in America, there are many people in places of political power who have not the ability, who have not the, the qualifications, the, the mental fortitude to do what is needed to lead in a righteous, just way in our world. And hey, that, that's a, that is a present reality. Uh, whether whether you believe whether you believe in in God or not, that's a present reality. Now Solomon is is ultimately going to conclude in this book that hey, uh, there is a God, and that's where true meaning and value in life is. But the reality is is still the fact that we live in a fallen world, and because we live in a fallen world, we are ruled by fallen rulers, uh, and there are many of those who are foolish in their in their leadership. Uh, abilities and it seems to be that those are the very ones that end up being the leaders that we that we have verse 7 i have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves and so that kind of parallels with the last part of verse 6 the rich rich who sit in low places and so we've seen that sometimes this world hey we, we say it like this uh that's not fair right that doesn't seem right well, sometimes this world doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair. Why? Because it's a broken world. It's a fallen world. Because we talked about it in Sunday school today in, in Genesis chapter 3. It's where we are in Sunday school. Uh, we talked about the fall of humanity. Adam and Eve tempted in the Garden of Eden and they ate of the forbidden fruit. And because of that, sin entered into this world and the sin nature has been passed on from generation to generation. And because of that one event, uh, life is not fair. Uh, and things are not always as they should be. And, you know, we get all up in a roar about that and think sometimes that that is, we get just flabbergasted because that's the reality. Well, we ought not be. We ought to be flabbergasted when the actual uh, reality of life that should be is demonstrated for us. When it is that we see people in righteous people in places that they ought to be and people who have the qualifications in those places we ought not be surprised when we see the brokenness of a fallen world on display. We ought to expect that because we live in a broken, fallen uh, world. And so he goes on in verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. Now, verse 10 goes along with that. I'm going to pause right for a second because I think verse 10 puts a different little twist on what Solomon is saying, or Koheleth, if you want to have the Hebrew, uh, the preacher is saying in this passage. 
And again, I think the, the reality is that no matter what occupation we're in, no matter what we do in life, there are always dangers involved in it, right? If we dig a ditch, there's a possibility for us to fall into the ditch uh, as we dig that ditch. And if we break into someone's house, we break through a wall, there's an opportunity for, uh, you know, bad to happen to us as we engage in such things uh, in life. Uh, if we go to a stone quarry or a quarry stone, we can be hurt by the stones. Whatever occupation you have, splitting logs, whatever. There's always a danger in life, right? I always say it this way. Uh, it is that whenever you are born, you begin to die, right? So what is living? Living, living leads to death. If Jesus tarries, life leads to death. And there's always the, po the possibility of, um, of accidents and trauma and, you know, the unexpected and that ought to drive home a point to us. It ought to drive home a point to us that we need to be ready to meet our maker at any time, right? We need to be ready to understand that life is not always cake and ice cream. Even for those who are believers, it's not always cake and ice cream. But again, we, we, can, we can have hope. Why? Because we know the God that we serve, even in the midst of our difficulty, even in the midst of, of trial and, and tribulation and persecution or, uh, you know, the hardest things that we go through in life. Our God is with us. None of that catches him by, by surprise. He's not reactionary. We get reactionary, but he doesn't. And there's always, there's always a chance in life for harm and hurt to come to you, sometimes by your own hand. Sometimes it is just freak accidental, and sometimes it is at the hand of other people. And we ought to expect that that's the way that life is until Christ comes again and he writes uh, the wrong of the curse on this world and he recreates this earth and recreates uh, uh, he brings a new heaven and new earth together and, and he takes the curse off of, off of this earth and we have no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears and all those types of things. And so we go to verse 10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. And so I think the last phrase of that line is really the key to understanding what Solomon is saying in that passage. Obviously, if you go out, like if I go out in, in the yard and try to split some wood that's out in the yard and I've got a dull, um, and a dull axe, it's going to take me a whole lot more effort to get the job done, right? So it, is, it would be wise for me to sit down and sharpen the axe first. Uh, whatever time it takes to sharpen that axe and get that axe ready uh, for the task will be time saved and energy saved on the back end of the task because it'll allow the task to go smoother. And I think Solomon is driving home the point about wisdom. It, it behooves us to prepare ourselves for the task that is above. Well, what's the greatest task we have? The greatest task we have is life, right? So it behooves us to prepare our lives with wisdom. And where do we find wisdom? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. It comes in our relationship with, with Christ. Christ has become wisdom for us, as Paul says, when we find wisdom from God. And so we should, we should feast as believers on the word of God and, and, and put the truth of God's word in our lives and learn and seek wisdom from God so that when we go through life, 
that our the the, the our mind our our uh, inner man is uh, prepared to deal with things that happen in this world and we hone our skills and hone the talents that God has given us and we prepare ourselves for the work of the ministry and for this life that God has called us to. And parents, that's an intentional thing that ought to be a part of your life for your children. You ought to, and it goes back to this theme of the, the nuclear family and, and the patriarchal headship, spiritual headship of the home, where dads ought to be the ones who are, who are um, sharpening the minds of their children through discipleship. And we ought to take on that role of spiritual leader in our home and prepare our children uh, for the world that is set before them. And I'm telling you, in our day, we need, we need a whole lot of preparation for our children for the, uh, for the, the world of hellishness that is set before them. And so that's our responsibility. And in order to do that, you remember if you're following on Thursdays in, in one of the uh, uh, sessions we had on Dr. Bauckham's book, uh, we, we've got to prepare our own hearts, right? We've got to put these things in our own hearts and if we're going to be able to pass it on to the next generation. So verse 11, if the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The ESV reads, now if you read the King James Version, the King James Version says if the serpent bites before it is charmed or before it's ready, uh, that uh, the babbler is no better. Uh, so there's this contrast between the foolish babbler and the uncharmed serpent. And so it's a premature um, incident that happens with the serpent. He hadn't been prepared. He had, and it kind of goes along with, with the sharpening of the axe and those kinds of things that they're speaking out of turn, they're speaking out of foolishness and not wisdom, and the babbler's the same way. Well, the other side of that is true, as the ESV uh, renders it, that if this serpent uh, is not charmed and it bites before he does uh, whatever it is he does to charm the serpent, that it's no advantage to him because he's not going to be successful. Nobody's going to see uh, a serpent charmer who can't charm the serpent, right? That serpent who likes to bite before it's charmed. So the same thing is true, uh, that this babbler is no better than that, uh, than that serpent foolishness again. So it goes to the idea of sharpening your school skills, using wisdom to accomplish that which God has set before us to do in this world. Verse 12, it goes on, the words of the wise man's mouth win him favor. And so there's another contrast between that and the fool, but the lips of, the, of a fool consume him. And so, again, I used this example probably last time, I think, with E.F. Hutton, right? The words of a wise man give him favor. E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens, right? When, when people have a tendency or a pattern of speaking wisdom into one's life, then you pay more attention to what that person has to say. You give more weight and value to what that person has to say. And that ultimate wisdom that that person um, gives will gain favor among men because they will be more willing to listen to what he has to say, especially after experiencing the benefit of the wisdom uh, that was given. But the lips of a fool, what is it? They consume him. Uh, he'd rather hear his own self-talk than listen to a wise man, right? And we've all, we've all, we all seen people like that, right? That love to hear the sound of their own voice. They say many things, but you know, they, they say nothing. They speak many words, but they really say nothing. And we all know people like that, and we ought not be people like that. Again, it goes to what James says, to be quick to hear, slow to speak, all right? 
Uh, in verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. Talking about this word, why this, this foolish man, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the end of his talk is evil madness. So it doesn't get any better, right? He begins in foolishness, foolishness and he ends in madness uh, and folly. And we, we know people who are exactly uh, like that. And the only way to guard against that is to, again, ground ourselves in the wisdom of God and humble ourselves to know that we don't know everything, right? And we don't even know what we don't know. And the more we study and the more we under, uh, understand God's word, we'll come to that conclusion that we don't know what we don't know. And there are so much more that we need to know. So verse 14, he says, a fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. And so again, at least to me, the implication seems to be that the foolish person talks about things that are way over his hand and out of his purview, that he has no idea um, what he's talking about. And, you know, we all have been that person, right? Where we talk out of our depth and say things and talk about things that we have no idea what we're talking about, just so we could try to impress people and you know, he who, uh, you know, it's better to be silent and be thought a fool than open your mouth and prove that you are right. So sometimes it's better to be silent. Uh, and then Solomon hits on this same uh, theme that he's hit on before about this idea that no one knows what is to be and who can tell him what's coming after him. And it goes back to this, you know, experiment, this, this thought, pro this thought experiment of under the sun kind of living that uh, if there is nothing else after this, once you're, once you're dead, no, nobody can tell you what's going to come. Nobody can tell you what's going to happen. But we know the end of the story, right? Because we've read uh, the entirety of God's word. Hopefully you have. If you haven't, you ought to start. Uh, that'd be a good New Year's resolution to read through God's word uh, this coming year. And reading through God's word, we know there's more, right? And God's the one who kind of gives us a glimpse into what's going to happen. I don't know everything that's going to happen, nor do you, nor does anyone else who reads God's word, because God doesn't give us a very, uh, he doesn't give us the clear picture of everything that's going to happen. He gives us a glimpse into uh, what's going to happen in a broad way. And so we know that there's more. We know that God has hope. There's hope in God and, and what's after us. Uh, we know to be absent from the bodies to be present uh, with the Lord for those who are followers of Christ. And we know those who are wicked, as John 3.36 says, uh, that refuse to believe Christ, refuse to trust in him, that the wrath of God abides on them. They're one heartbeat away from suffering all eternity. We know from Luke chapter 16 that when a person dies, that uh, they either go to be with the Lord or they go to be in a place called uh, hell. And so we know some things from God's word that are going to happen, but the reality of the situation is I don't know what's going to happen in the next few moments, right? I don't know what's going to happen before I get through the end of this, this podcast. I don't know what's going to happen when I go back into the living room to do whatever it is uh, that uh, I need to do tonight. I don't know if I'm going to make it through tonight and into tomorrow morning. My presumption is that I will because, uh, you know, for the 53 years that I've been uh, living, uh, I, I go to bed and I wake up. I go to bed and I wake up. But that's not always the case for everyone, right? Sometimes people go to bed and they don't wake up. Sometimes people get up in the day and they don't realize it's their last day on planet Earth. They go about their lives. They do whatever it is that they normally would do. And then they, they ultimately meet an abrupt end of that day, not knowing that it was the last day they had on planet Earth. So again, things like this, these kinds of statements are to drive us. They ought to drive us to uh, prepare for what's 
what what is ahead, right? Uh, what is ahead is eternity and standing before God. And the way to be prepared for that is today. You give your life to Jesus Christ. You bow your knee to him. Today is the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. So be ready uh, for uh, meeting your maker at any moment because all of us will whether Christ comes again or whether we die. And I've said this, you know, a thousand times probably for the majority of human, of human beings in history, they will meet their maker through death rather than his second coming. And for most of us, if the Lord tarries, most of us will meet our maker through death rather than the second coming of the Lord. I get it. He can come at any moment, right? At any moment he can come. Everything is set and ready for him to come. Uh, but but if things continue as they are, most of us will meet him uh, through death. So you need to be prepared for that because you never know when the grim reaper is coming for you. So we'll go to verse 15. The toil of a fool wearies him. Why? Because he doesn't go about it in a wise way, right? He goes about his life in a foolish way. He speaks foolishness and he works foolishly and it wears his body out for he does not know the way to the city. And that's an interesting phrase and we might not, we might not get it uh, unless we think about it and read what other people have said about it. But the implication of this passage is that even the simplest thing that he ought to know, he ought to know how to get from one place to the next, right? He ought to know how to get from his house to the city, but he doesn't even know the simplest things in life. And that's why his toil and his labors weary him. And so for all of us, it speaks to this idea of the sharpening of the ax, right? We ought to prepare ourselves and, and uh, we ought to seek godly wisdom. Uh, and we ought to work hard at allowing the truth of God's word to shape our minds and the way we think to avoid the foolishness of this world. And so we go on to verse 16. This is really 16 through 20 in, in, in the last section. It says, woe to you, O land, when your king is a child. And now we know in the Bible there, there are times when, hey, there was a king that came into his into uh, his throne at eight years old. Um, but that's not necessarily what Solomon is talking about in this passage. It really has to do with maturity rather than mental maturity, wisdom in that sense, more than it does age. And so it's woe to you when you have a child who acts like a king, uh, a, a king who acts like a child rather, and thinks like a child and leads like a child in a very immature, childish way. And we have a lot of those who lead that way today. Uh, he says, and your princes feast in the morning. Uh, so in other words, they don't feast at the time they ought to feast in. They, they consume all the things they have in an inopportune time. And then they're going to be left wanting when it's all said and done. And man, all you have to do is look up at Washington, D.C. if you're an American, right? And understand that this, this is the mentality of the leadership in our country, feasting in the morning. And I'm speaking of the way that they spend our money, right? Billions and trillions of dollars they use and they don't have. They lend, they borrow and borrow and borrow us into oblivion. Again, not to wax too political, but every time they come up to this 
uh, debate over whether or not the government's going to shut down. And they talk about this omnibus bill that they, has to be passed, right? Or the government's going to shut down. Really what they're saying is, hey, we just need to raise the amount of money, our debt limit. We need to increase our debt limit so we can borrow more money and get ourselves deeper in debt so we can continue to do whatever it is that we want to do in life. And so they're feasting in the morning, right? They're, they're, they're actually even worse than this. They're, they're, they're eating food that they don't even have yet, right? Uh, they're consuming uh, our children and grandchildren's fortunes uh, in this world. And, and hey, don't think it's just a Democrat thing. It is a Democrat and Republican thing. If you're in America, um, it is Democrat and a Republican thing. Because guess what happens in the end of the day? Every one of them cave on this idea of whether or not to balance a budget or whether or not to shut down a government. Uh, hey, I say shut it down. Shut it down and balance the budget and quit all this spending. Cut the fat from the from the federal government and uh, and and let us learn how to live within our means. Right. And but, uh, you know, I, I, we can't change that overnight. We, we got to, you know, to use the, the, the verbiage of the, the last few years, we got to drain the swamp if we want that to happen, because what's going to happen the next time this comes up and there's another omnibus bill. Guess what's going to happen? The Republicans are going to talk a little smack about it, but then they're going to cave and they're going to vote to raise our debts limit so that we can borrow more money and we can spend ourselves into oblivion. And that's got to change or we will never, we're never going to get ourselves out of this hole. It's almost an impossibility now because trillions of dollars is a lot of dollars. Um, anyway, uh, moving on that, that's kind of the idea these foolish leaders, right? That they're wasting their resources when they should be, uh, you know, working in a frugal manner in a, in a, in a, in a, have better stewardship of the things that God's blessed them with. Verse 17, he says, happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time and, and for strength and not, uh, and not for drunkenness. And so the idea is that in verse 16, they're feasting and partying uh, and, and getting drunk. You know, it's almost like uh, King Darius, I think it was in Daniel, when the, when the Medes uh, uh, came in, I think it was the Medes and Persians came in. Uh, and Darius was there and they were having a, a feast, right? And, and, and uh, then the Lord came and wrote on the wall. Uh, so it's kind of like that, right? Our, our, our leaders are feasting uh, and, and living it high on the hog, right? On our dime uh, and wasting all the resources of, of this land. But happy are those lands whose kings have wisdom, right? They understand how to lead. They are frugal. They have wisdom over finances and they feast at the proper time, not for party, not for pleasure, but for strength, to strengthen themselves for the task that is set aside. So they, they understand the resources they have and how to use those resources and use them in a proper way. And pray to the Lord God above that uh, we would get leaders that are like that. And hey, in America, we have a voice. So I encourage you to use your voice next year as you go and vote, to vote in people who have a modicum of common sense when it comes to the physical uh, and moral aspect, the fiscal uh, and moral um, uh, aspects that need to govern this country. Uh, so it leads to verse 18. Through sloth, and he, what he does is he gives us an example of how the, the nations crumble because of the lack of poor leadership. And he uses the illustration uh, of uh, like of a person's home. It says, through sloth, the roof leaks or the roof sinks in and through in, 
indolence, the house leaks. So in other words, just like your house, if you don't take care of it, if you don't maintain it, uh, then the elements of this world are ultimately going to cause it to decay, right? Uh, just like the laws of thermodynamics, right? And, you know, uh, we, we will ultimately decay. Uh, and so if we don't continue to take care of our homes, same things happen, same things with the government or with the nation. If it's not taken care of properly, it will ultimately come to ruin. Uh, bread is made or <coughs> a feast or a party is made for laughter, uh, again, it goes back to that first verse. Uh, they don't feast to strengthen themselves or use the resources in a proper way or prepare themselves to lead in a wise, healthy way. Uh, they just, they're just eat, eating and drinking and being merry, right? Um, bread is made for laughter and wine. Gladness uh, gladdens life or makes merry. And money answers everything. Hey, that's Washington, D.C., isn't it? Right there. And there are a lot of people in this world who live in light of that uh, statement in verse 19, that money is the answer to everything, right? We got a problem, just throw more money at it, right? The school systems are failing in this country. What do we need to do? Well, we need to throw more money at it, right? Uh, we've, we've got all these problems. What do they do? They keep, they keep inflating government, right? That's the answer for them. Government and money is always the answer for them. Um, and it, it couldn't be further from the truth, right? Money, doesn't, money helps things, but money doesn't solve everything. Uh, and, and we've got to have people up there who understand that. We have to understand that in our own lives. Um, and we need to be frugal. We need to be wise stewards of what God has given us. We need, to be, we need to be people who are not slothful, who take care of the things that God's given us. We use the resources and finances he's given us um, uh, in, in a proper, righteous, holy way to, to pass on to the next generation the foundation that we lay. And in our country, the foundation is cracking uh, greatly. So uh, we need to pray to the good Lord that that will change in the next election. Verse 20, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom crush, uh, curse the rich, uh, for a bird of the air will carry your voice and some winged creature tell the matter. Well, that's wisdom. You need to take that verse and write it down, right? And I've always said this, if you don't want something to be repeated, then don't say it. If you don't want it to be repeated, then don't say it. Don't say it. He even goes so far as to say, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king. Uh, because if you say something, it's going to get out. Human nature is, you know, we always want to, we, we tell our, confide in people, right? That's the word. We always want to confide in people. And I think there's a place for that, right? People we trust, we confide in. But you need to understand human nature. Human nature is that we are prone to tell those things, even that were confided to us in confidence. So if you don't want it to get out, don't say it, right? Don't say it. Now, I think there's a different dynamic a little bit in America. We, we, have, we have the freedom to redress the king and redress our government. And I think that we ought to do that. We ought to stand up and use the freedom that God has given us as citizens of this nation to redress our government, to speak to the evils and ills uh, that we see in the way this country is led. And one of the ways we do that, obviously, with our vote. Another ways we do that is with freedom of speech that we have, uh, at least for the moment in this country, although our government is quickly trying to strip that away from us by monitoring, uh, you know, what people say. Um, if they don't like what is said, they want to shut it down. And that's the first, uh, that's the, that's the 
first battle of free speech is to shut down of what they deem as offensive speech. And then it becomes everything is offensive if it's not what they want to hear. And so we have to fight for that freedom in our country. And again, this is not to get too political, but hey, uh, it is the reality in which we live as a nation. And we, of all people on planet Earth, have the opportunity to spread the wisdom and the truth of God's word. And we, we cannot lose that opportunity. If, if we don't fight for it, we will lose that opportunity. If we do lose it, I mean, it's not catching God off guard. He, he knows what's coming and what's going to happen. But I don't think he expects for us to sit back and just let it happen. I think he expects us to stand and use the freedom that he's granted to us uh, for his kingdom purposes. And that is to redress the evils and, and ills of our leadership in this country. And so uh, we, I think, are in a unique place. But again, if you do that, if you're willing to do that, then you've got to be willing to suffer the consequences that will come. Because even uh, even if you have that freedom, the king may decide that he don't, or the ruler may decide, uh, hey, that's hate speech or uh, that's inappropriate speech, and we're going to sanction you, mute you, arrest you, or worse. And so you got to be ready to suffer those consequences. But we ought to stand uh, and fight for the freedoms we have. But if you say something, it's always good. No matter what it is, it doesn't have to do just with the king or whatever. Uh, if you say something to someone, or even if you think that no one is around and you say it out loud, guess what? There's a chance that it will come to the ear of the persons that you don't want it to be heard by. Uh, and so if you don't want it, if you don't want it repeated, don't say it. All right. That's why it's better to be quick to hear and slow uh, to speak. We don't always have to say everything that's in our mind, uh, although we have a tendency to want to say everything that's in uh, that's in our mind. All right. So that's Solomon's spiel uh, or my spiel on Solomon's uh, chapter 10 in Ecclesiastes. I hope it's beneficial to you and hope that uh, uh, it will encourage you in your daily life and that it will cause you to follow after Christ and uh, seek after the wisdom of God. Don't forget, uh, go to YouTube and go to uh, YouTube, like, share, subscribe, leave a good review, leave comments, uh, go to RK Ministries podcast, like, share, and subscribe, uh, leave a good review. Uh, and, and also on Facebook, if you're watching on Facebook, share it with your friends, share it with your, with uh, your contacts that are on there so we can increase the, the audience. And it only happens if you will share and, 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 and pass it on to other people, and that, that will continue to build those who listen and hear to to God's word. And hopefully, uh, it will be it will be uh, kingdom uh, king fruit, fruitful for the kingdom of God. Well, don't forget uh, Christmas Eve at Friendship Baptist next Sunday. We won't be in Ecclesiastes. We'll be at Friendship Baptist at five o'clock doing a come and go communion. Uh, so you can bring your family take communion and go about your normal Christmas Eve activities. And if you don't have a church home and encourage you to come join us at Friendship Baptist Church, uh, if you are a member of Friendship Baptist Church, hey, bring a friend with you uh, next week as we share God's word, as we think about the, the birth of our Savior and everything that that means uh, to us and to this world. And so until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you.